Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm your host, Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Today, we're discussing how companies can engage with nonprofits more effectively. We'll be talking with Callie Sweeney, founder and CEO, and Jessica Hauser, executive director of Downtown Boxing Gym. The gym is a Detroit-based free after-school academic and athletic program that provides students with the tools they need to succeed. But before we get into that, joining me now is Kathy Campbell, creative director of brand values and social good at Salesforce, and Shirlene Lavallee, associate creative director at Salesforce. Welcome to the show, Kathy and Shirlene. Hello, thank you for having us. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys have been working with Downtown Boxing Gym for... I think many years now. Kathy, can you tell me a little bit more about the relationship? Sure. We met Kali and Jessica about three years ago. Sam Allen contacted us and said that he was working with a really terrific nonprofit and just heard their amazing story. So in the process of that, we developed a brand narrative, a brand story, an entire identity system, advertising campaign, some ideas for their website, and on and on and on. But it was that first meeting that just really stirred our souls. And one of the things Sam heard from Callie was that oftentimes corporations and organizations show up to volunteer and then they disappear after a month or two, kind of never to be seen again, right? And That's something Sam did not want to happen with the Salesforce team and the downtown boxing gym. And I think what we did was kind of come in with like a place of like creative ignorance, like Callie and Jessica, tell us your story. We don't want to create a story that we think it is, but we want to hear from you. And I think Coming in like that, we were able to really create a a creative brand system that spoke about DBG, that spoke about the kids, that spoke about the founders, and spoke about like where they want to go in the future. We weren't seeing this as like a short-term project that's three to four months. It's like, this is an ongoing thing. It, It is a part of who we are as Salesforce and who we are as people individually that want to contribute, that want to give back. So I think that was a bonus that we weren't seeing this as, okay, this ends now, but that as as long as they want us here, we're here. Yeah. And I'm curious, have you guys worked on other volunteer projects in your careers that have kind of turned out differently or not been the same experience as this? I have definitely throughout my career. I think the biggest recipe for failure is a misalignment of expectation. And either the organization is expecting something different from the creative work that you're developing, or conversely, the creative team has some ideas about what it should be rather than what it is. So when you really, really connect to the people whose mission it is to do this work, and you really fully immerse yourself into that story, that's when the magic happens. And when you try to impose some creative idea that you think it should be, that's when the problem is. I do feel like with DBG, very clearly from the start, number one, it's all about the kids. And number two, it is academics and athletics. 
So every time we came in, you know, with a new creative that maybe wanted to really romance the boxing side, it's like, nope, that's only half of the equation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it sounds like really finding that organization that aligns with your values and speaks to you is so important. Any tips or thoughts around how to go about finding who you want to work with and how to find the right fit for your volunteer work? I think maybe it's what moves you, right? Being a Black woman and seeing kids in a community that people may feel underwhelmed about or not expecting the extraordinary from them does move me to want to help, right? To want to make people see, like, this is a kid. Just like when you were 11 and you were 10, this is the same person. This is a kid that wants to have fun, that wants to learn, that wants to see the world, that has a whole mind, right? And for me, it was like, for this project, it was like, I saw myself, right? And was like, how can I make sure people see that these kids are here and they have a ton of talent and they have so much to offer and we are just giving them the highlights. We're just like, here's some of what they can do. So I think maybe it's what moves you, whether it's kids or gardening or science, it's what moves you and it's what do you wanna learn about? Because as me as a designer, I love when I get to learn. I love when I get to buy books on a subject to learn about more about a subject that I can put into my project. So what moves you is what would be my answer. And for me, it was definitely about connection, the connection to the people and the connection to Jessica and Kali, their relentless optimism about the potential for these kids. That sparked me. And, and I think it sparked the entire creative team, seeing their commitment. I think getting the chance to bring what you do to the table is so important. And maybe that's something to think about when you are thinking about how you can volunteer or create something for your company to be able to do that. Well, thank you guys so much for talking about this project and for bringing this to Blazing Trails and being on this episode. So Kathy and Shirlene, thank you for joining us today. Oh, a pleasure. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Joining me today is Kali Sweeney, founder and CEO of Downtown Boxing Gym, and Jessica Hauser, executive director of Downtown Boxing Gym. Kali and Jessica, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. Okay, wonderful. Kali, let me start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about the origin story of Downtown Boxing Gym and what the organization does? I had already been thinking and contemplating in my mind that it was like a lot of young kids in my neighborhood who was just hanging out like I was hanging out when I was a kid. So, you know, I, I had a pretty rough upbringing. I didn't go to school at, like other kids. I, I mean, I basically was passed from grade to grade without ever learning how to read or write. I didn't learn how to read or write until I was like almost 30 years old, maybe that same year that I turned 30. So I seen a lot of kids just doing the same thing and going through the same process that I was going through. And I went home and started thinking about what I really wanted to do and I wanted to give back to the community. So what I did was I saw a building. I had the idea in my head already. I went to the guy and told him like, hey, you know, can I rent the building? And I brought the couple kids that I had that I was already trying to semi-mentor. And so I started working with those guys and word of mouth spread and people came. And the hook was that, you know, I'll teach you how to box 
if you first do tutoring. So our model is going to be books before boxing. And people bought into it. And they said, okay, books before boxing. That's what it's going to be. And so we're after school program that provides academic support. We have a whole curriculum, uh, computer coding classes, uh, reading intervention, math intervention, health and wellness, a whole host of things, sports sampling. We just try to fill in the gaps where we can support the kids where they might not get the resources that they need. It's an incredible program. And part of what we want to talk about today is how companies can engage with nonprofits more successfully. Jessica, can you tell me how to set up a relationship between a company and a nonprofit for success? Yeah, well, I actually think the turning point in the relationship between Downtown Boxing Gym and Salesforce happened during a conversation that Kali had with an executive, Sam Allen, mm-hmm. where I believe in Kali, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that Kali said to him, you know, so there was a group here, they were here through the program, the Leading for Change, I think it was called at the time. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, doing great work and helping us think through some, you know, culture stuff, the problem that we were trying to solve. And Kali said to Sam Allen, well, you know, this is all great, but you guys are going to, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to go back to your job and we're never going to see you again. Because often, unfortunately, that's how corporate relationships end up playing out, right? You mm-hmm. you get this, you get a couple minutes with somebody and then you never see them again. And that mm-hmm. really stuck with Sam because that's the truth. And he you know, we found out that he went back to Salesforce after and had conversations with other leadership and just said, we can't be one more company that just, you know, parachutes in for a week and then you never engage again. And mm-hmm. um, and so we've been building ever since. And so I think having it rooted in that kind of level of commitment is mm-hmm. rare and incredible and really the best way to make true impact. And as a result of that, you know, now Sam was able to inspire some of his other teammates they flew to Detroit, saw the work we were doing, really stopped and listened to where, you know, how they could leverage their expertise to help support us, right? As a nonprofit, there is no revenue generation. So, you know, we're always going to be understaffed. We're always going to be under-resourced. That's just the way that it is. And so, you know, to be able to tap into people who you know really can dedicate their time and hone their craft and then lend that to us has been mm-hmm. instrumental. Um, so, the development of that relationship is like taking the time, really listening, really making a commitment and having leadership driving that, I think mm-hmm. is what makes it work. Tell us a little bit about this design and communication project that we worked on during the pandemic. I saw some of it presented at one of our all hands for our creative group. And I mean, it was amazing that everything that was done from mass to signage to music to video, a really incredible program. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it was incredible. So the beautiful thing is, again, going back to this like long standing relationship. So there was connection to the brand, an understanding of our work. Mm -hmm. Um, And during the pandemic, it was our commitment to stay. We never missed a day of programming with our kids. You know, we switched to virtual for a bit and then we started working on how do we get our kids back in person as soon as it would be safe to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, And as part of that, you know, Kali was talking to us constantly is like, all right, we need to have signage that's not scary. You know, we need to make the building where if we're going to do this, that kids feel included, they understand the messages. We're not you know, these are, everyone's already terrified. How do we not feed into that, but, you know, lift our kids up, lift our families up. Um, And so we reached out to, you know, 
Charlene and some others and just said, listen, you know, we have our reopening plan in a Word document that is not at all, can't communicate that out to anyone, right? It's not going to connect with anyone. All the signs that you can find online were not kid-friendly at all, Mm -hmm. not culturally sensitive at all. Um, And they just took it and ran with it, which blew our minds, especially in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, you know, of all times, everyone's slammed, everyone's scared. And they just like jumped in with two feet and took it above. I mean, it went above and beyond what we could have ever imagined from, you know, like you said, they helped make masks that were DBG branded and fun. The signage was kid friendly on brand. They did the six feet apart floor markers with like riddles on them, which is perfect. And, you know, then there was a short version and a long version of our reopening plans and all the protocols, which we shared out for our, you know, to our parents. Parents actually ended up taking it to the, you know, Detroit Public Schools saying, listen, you know, we hope that you guys, Detroit Public Schools, do something as thorough as downtown boxing gym, because this is really making us feel as safe as possibly you could feel during such a crazy time. And so, you know, just to have that kind of support. So it was like brain power, creativity, and then they paid for all the printing of all those materials, which, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, as an organization that literally had to triple our budget overnight in order to manage cohorts of kids and, you know, all the staff we needed to do that, we wouldn't have had it in the budget to print, you know, all of these things. And so right. I just feel like we just feel like they, you know, the team showed up in every way mm-hmm. possible and made for an incredible experience. We never had a single outbreak of COVID. We've been open. Our physical building was open since June of 2020 with Mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, it really speaks volumes to having all those tools. So how impactful was it to have a whole design team working on this communications package? I mean, it was a dream come true. Kylie and I would sit back a couple of times. We're like, we basically have a whole ad agency (laughs) helping us, which is something that we would not have been able to afford. Mm-hmm. And we saw the impact. I mean, just to have our brand consistent, you know, how we saw our parents respond because the visuals of it made sense and connected, how the kids respond, you know, and so to have people who are experts in that space lending their expertise and taking the time to really help us connect, I mean, there's really no words for that. Mm-hmm. It felt good to finally put all those different logos to rest. We had too many different logos, too many different brands floating around, you know, too many different colors to have it all uniform and streamlined and just professionally done. I mean, it was amazing to me to see that. And I love it now. Just when I look up now out of my office, I can see the artwork and the work and the time that was put into it. So it's beautiful. And, you know, from the company side, I know this was something that everybody loved to work on. Kali, I'm curious. I know there's a lot of growth plans for DBG and what you guys are doing, you know, moving forward. Has this relationship or this type of work like driving that or how is the work that was done going to impact how you guys are thinking about that moving forward? Some of the work that came out of this. It just adds more another layer of confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, when other people see how partnerships can actually work and, and, and work together, you know, how you can work together with different corporations and, and it's, it's mutually beneficial for everybody. It's like that uh, when one domino falls, the others can come behind, you know, mm-hmm. when everybody put their hand on it, make the lifting a lot, lot easier, if that's the answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do plan on replicating this program and, and to have a partnership with somebody who's well-recognized. It just adds another layer of confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to hear more about the growth story too. 
from when you started, you mentioned that you went to that building and said, hey, I want, I want to start this here. And now it's come so far. Oh, yeah. Just tell me more about that process. So, you know, the process, I mean, it was like, it was, it was, a, it was a real journey. I, <laughs> I put everything I had into that building. I, I didn't really have a plan. I, I had absolutely no plan whatsoever. I put everything into that building. I put everything into what I was doing because I believed in it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many kids getting carted off to jail. I've seen mm-hmm. so many guys who really couldn't read or write just like I could, you know, who had a failed experience in school. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to commit myself to it. So I committed so hard to it that I actually ended up homeless. Mm-hmm. I literally ended up homeless. I was living in the gym itself. And um, people, the kids would walk by and see me in the car and be like, man, you know, do you live in the car? Do you I see you when you get out of school, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I went from 218 solid muscle down to 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that, you know, the parents trusted in me, the community came together and, you know, we all made it work, you know. And from there, Jessica came in, we made it officially, put it on paperwork, put it down on paper before it was just a dream an idea and we were just doing it, you know, just basically just doing it without a plan. Mm-hmm. Jessica came in and put a plan to it. And uh, her and a couple other people, um, some some uh, some other people that she round up with these with a bunch of cold calls. <laughs> she called a bunch of people with a bunch of cold calls, and she ended up homeless herself. Actually, she'll tell you that part of the story. But you know, she actually sold one of her cars, and you know, gave up, sold everything out of her house to keep the thing going, keep the lights going. So, yeah, it was a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, once we passed over a little uh, bump in the road, we started gaining traction and momentum, and. We ended up moving out of that 4,000 square foot building to a now what we have now is a 37,000, something like that, 3,700. What is 27, it? 27,000. 27,000 square foot building mm-hmm. um, with a bigger space, more classroom space. We had one little classroom where everybody had to crowd into one little room. Mm-hmm. I'm glad COVID didn't come then. Cause it, right. I mean, we we all would have caught it back then, <laughs> yeah. because we were we were like I mean, elbow to elbow with each other. Now we have a, a spacious uh, a place that's a lot of space. Um, we have new HVAC systems and stuff like that with mm-hmm. HEPA filters and all that type of stuff and the state of the art stuff. Now you know she can tell you about it. It's more uh, eco friendly building now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just a journey. Yeah, well, that's, that's quite a story. And Jessica, so you head up kind of the more the the business side from what I understand. And tell me a little bit about coming from that journey and then reaching this turning point? Was there something where that kind of clicked or what made that happen? Yeah, I mean, and let me be very clear in case it ends up in the podcast. Kali had an incredibly solid plan. Um, I don't know why he said that. He had an incredibly solid plan. It's just that he's one human being and one right. human being cannot, it is impossible to drive the mission, truly take care of and support 65 kids and fundraise and, you know, manage a board. And I mean, you just, it is impossible. So, mm-hmm. you know, what I benefited from Kali doing the work for three to three or four years before I got involved. And so I was able to take, you know, a tested mission out into the world to say, this is something amazing is happening here. This is working, you know, and start to gain traction and be a voice, you know, to tell the world, you know, what was going on in the space. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just feel like I had the easier part of the job because the hard work is the work with the kids. The hard work is that early grind trying to work out all of the kinks, right? Mm -hmm. I was able to pick up a pretty much perfected product and take it out into the world to get support. Mm -hmm. Um, And for us, a, a major turning point really was taking the leap of faith into the new building because in our old building, we were maxed out. We, you know, we had a waiting list. There was no room in the building for more kids. So there was, there was no way to grow in it or evolve the program. So 
really rallying the support to jump into that space was a major turning point. And then going from, you know, just Kylie and I paying to work at downtown boxing gym, <laughs> to, you know, hiring a fundraiser, you know, mm-hmm. starting to have staff, really starting to put the pieces in place to build on Kylie's dream. All of those are, you know, monumental turning points that mm-hmm. are, have allowed us to get to the point today where we are ready to replicate. You know, we have the data to back up the impact of the work. We have corporate support mm-hmm. um, in a way that we can ask other corporations, hey, you know, this is how Salesforce is doing it. Here's the impact. Are you guys willing to step up in the same way? You know, having mm-hmm. that model mm-hmm. that we can take to others is how we'll be able to continue to grow. And, you know, I wonder how you would advise other nonprofits. Like coming into this conversation, I was thinking it would be interesting to get your perspective on if you're in the early stages of a nonprofit and trying to figure out how to engage whether it's you know companies or bring on staff or grow the program, what are some of the lessons learned that you might want to share? For me, I mean, Jessica, you can definitely, by all means, tell them how you feel. Yeah. For me, it was always about doing the work and doing exactly what you say that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. That, that right there in itself, when you do what you say that you're going to do and you actually do the work, people will see that and they, they will come to you opposed to you going to them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, once you go to them, now you have to prove what you're doing, all these type of things like this. But when when the word gets out, like for the gym, honestly, like she said, I was into this work three years into it to the work. I was already doing the work for three years. And so many times, and you have to not have founder syndrome too, because I had founder syndrome. Mm-hmm. It was like I committed so much to the mission. I was so embedded in it. For three years, I had offers from people and people were reaching out to me. I didn't even hear them. I, I didn't. I just was still going with my head down, and I was just working, 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 working. Mm-hmm. And um, I had founder syndrome, you know. So you got to be able to listen too. And so I just kept doing the work, and the word got out, and it spread around the city, and it spread to some of the right places, and and mm-hmm. people started picking up on it. So like Jessica said, when she came in, she actually had to slow me down and stop me, like, "Hey, listen, wait a minute, you know, trust me, you need to do something. You cannot let this go like this because it's going to fail." at the rate that you're going, what you're doing, you have to do X, Y, and Z and put the pieces together. So being able to step aside and let and hire the right people to do the right things, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big key to it, lesson mm-hmm. that I learned. And Kali, what were some of the things that you were maybe missing because you were so head down on the work? You know, somebody in a similar situation, what are some of those things that maybe they're not thinking about that they should invest their time, but they're not doing? I mean, the first thing was to actually have a business plan, a five-year business plan. Have it a five-year business plan. Get an audit. Mm -hmm. Have an audit. Keep all the receipts. You know, keep the receipts for everything that you do, you know, and and get an audit early on. Mm -hmm. Because that stuff like that came in handy when, you know, opportunities arise. Mm -hmm. When opportunities came about, people asked Hey, do you have a business plan? Hey, do you have you had an audit? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it just so happened that we did, you know, <laughs> you know, because you know that paid off. And I, I see a lot of guys right now, young, out here doing things, and and I always tell them, man, get an audit, keep all your receipts, and just really have a solid business plan. Yeah, and Jessica, what are some of those things that people in the early stages of nonprofit should be thinking about, or that can help accelerate? Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are really nice to have, but the reality is it's challenging, right? So what I always say is everything Kali said is spot on. And I think finding a team, you know, a second person that's willing to jump in with you. So I think, you know, really respecting the fact that mission driven people need to drive the mission, 
And mm-hmm. there should be somebody else who's layering onto that and helping to do the business plan. Because it's not that the mission-driven person can't, mm-hmm. but you, you can't do both, especially not at the beginning. I mean, it's a massive amount of work. So what I recommend, what I always recommend to people when I'm talking to them is, if you are the one driving the mission, whether it be one of your board members or somebody that you're really close with, see if they're willing to step up and help you complete some of these other tasks, right? Like find somebody who's more traditionally trained, you know, and let them help put together the business plan. Like, why would you even take your eye off the real work, which is the mission to do that? No, let somebody else help do that. If you trust them, right? Like as long as they're not going to take you astray. I just think finding that support early on, to say it more succinctly, Mm -hmm. is really critical. And then advice for how to manage corporate partnerships early on, the truth is, is to keep the scope as limited as possible, because it can get really overwhelming if you don't have a staff of people Mm -hmm. to manage the partnership Mm -hmm. and be honest and open with the partner about what you can and what you can't handle Mm -hmm. and what you can and can't take on. I mean, what's most important in those conversations? Once you find a partner or they find you, Kali, you were saying earlier, you weren't even really hearing that because you were so <laughs> focused. Like, what are the right questions to ask? And, you know, is there some things you think about when starting a relationship like that? Me, myself, personally, you have to align with the mission. There's a ton of people who can tell you I've turned down some of the wealthiest people in the world who wanted to just jump in, but their heart wasn't in the right place. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, you can come with a whole lot of money, but if your heart is not in the right place and our mission don't align, then yeah. we would only do damage to the mission. So for me, it's like you have to align with what we're doing. You have mm-hmm. to understand the way that we approach in this situation. Mm-hmm. And if not, you know, this is not the thing for you mm-hmm. or us. And I, people looked at me crazy like, man, those guys have tons of money. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't align with their mission. I don't. Our values don't connect. Right. That's what it really all comes down to. And then Jessica and anything on this sort of, once you get past that and you say, okay, we, I do want to work together. Are there any just real key things that you should think about there? I think it goes back to that conversation Kali had with Sam Allen, right? So it's aligned with the mission as long as that's there. Then also having a follow-up really straight conversation, level setting on expectations and mm-hmm. making sure that those align. And if mm-hmm. you get past that, then I think having a really clear scope of work mm-hmm. So that there's a beginning, middle, and end. Right. Yeah. It's just thinking about it just like any other kind of business relationship at that point, you know, Absolutely. And, and operating it that way. Well, I know we've got a couple of minutes left. I would love to hear some stories about how the program has impacted some kids. And, you know, if there's anything you can share about, you know, the impact you've had in the city and on, on some kids' lives, is there any stories that either of you want to share about that? We just had 12 kids just graduate. So, Go ahead, Jessica. I know you could tell them about that experience. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, right. We did just have 12 kids graduate. I mean, I think we can share one kid's story because he was sharing it publicly on his own. But one of the young men, well, now an adult, um, he's 18, I think, that just graduated, has been with us since he was in seventh grade. And when he first came to us, could not read at a kindergarten level. We actually ended up getting him into a really high quality college prep high school when, you know, obviously when he was in ninth grade, was only reading at a second grade level at that point. But the high school agreed to let him attend as long as he was still coming to downtown boxing gym. And we felt that that was really the only way that he was going to be able to get caught up in the amount of time that 
he had left before he graduated high school because he needed intensive support during the day and our support in the out-of-school time. Mm-hmm. He just graduated and got accepted into an HBCU that he's so excited to start in the fall. Mm-hmm. You know, reading at a second year, you know, sophomore in college is what he, you know, that's the reading level he's reading at now. And he's so proud of himself. We're so proud of him. But just that transformation, right? Just the like, in many other situations, people would have said, well, it's it's too late. I mean, what do you, you know, you're already past that point of no return. Right. You can't do anything. And at Downtown Boxing Gym, we don't buy into that kind of thinking. We double down, triple down, figure out how do we put every resource possible in place to make sure that every kid can grow and thrive and live out their dreams. So. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing story. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want us to say the like, you know, we have 100% high school graduation rate. 98% of our high school graduates have gone off to college and are now graduating from college. We also focus on social emotional elements, which are actually better indicators of a young person's success. Mm-hmm. So we're always working on kids growing in those areas as well. I mean, it's such incredible results. Two questions, I guess. One is, you know, what do you attribute it to? What, what are you guys doing that's so, that's so right? And then how do you scale it? You know, how can you take, not necessarily only through the downtown boxing gym, but through what you guys have learned and the methods, you know, how do we scale this to impact more kids? I mean, I think why it's so impactful is really the foundation and the standards that Kali laid from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that resonates to me is, you know, he always says, we don't see bad kids. We see kids that haven't been heard yet. Mm-hmm. And the essence of that quote, that every single young person should have an opportunity to really be seen and heard and for adults to figure out what is really going on and let's put all the tools in place so you can thrive. Mm-hmm. That is why we're successful, right? We do everything and anything. Kids are with us all week long, all year round for years. Mm-hmm. And so we have unique opportunities to build on those relationships. Um, and we do it, like I said, in a way that is unrestricted, right? If you need uniforms, we get uniforms, reading, reading, you know, if you love music, let's put in a music studio. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. And now what we found out was that a lot of kids were going to college and the transition was so overwhelming to a lot of kids who went off to college. So mm-hmm. now we're going with those kids for the first three years of college now. So mm-hmm. instead of just stopping right there, we're going on into college with the kids. We set up a dedicated staff to literally be on call 24 hours a day for these guys. Like they email, they shoot emails to our staff and we college and career readiness type stuff. So yeah, that's just another layer that we just added into it maybe about two years ago. Yeah, officially. You know, we've done it. In yeah, we've done it. Manner, but- yeah. Uh officially. Uh And as far as replication, I mean, Kali started an apprenticeship program three years ago. We have one of our alumni who's been shadowing him for some time and, you know, really, you know, it's been our test case, right? Like what can be passed off? What can't? How do we fill in the gaps for the things that can't be just easily transferred? Done a lot of work around culture. How do we pass that off? And then we're also looking at replication, you know, in a couple different ways. We're putting together a licensing package so that we can help, you know, support other organizations that it doesn't have to be boxing and, you know, academics as the combo. It's like, mm-hmm. Hey, here's best practices of what we've seen to be successful. And then also replicate, you know, we will also replicate downtown boxing gym and other cities as well. Mm-hmm. And lastly, what's the most important thing companies should think about when they engage with nonprofits? 
it's more beneficial when a company rolls up their sleeves and, like she said, dives in deep. And um, so often, a lot of guys, they come through, they do the tour. It's like going to like a, a soup kitchen where they you go in and you hand a bowl of soup out for that day, you feel good, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still people still hungry. That soup kitchen still need people there to work. You know what I mean? It's still a line around the block. You know, that one day that made you feel good, uh, you know what I mean? Please always be really mindful and take the time to educate yourself before you enter a space. And if you don't know, just don't say, <laughs> don't put that in there. But you know, just be really, just to be really, really respectful of the communities that you're stepping into. Yeah, that's great. Good advice. Don't talk if you, if you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you both for joining today. And uh, I'm excited to get this episode out the door. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. That was Callie Sweeney, founder and CEO, and Jessica Hauser, executive director of Downtown Boxing Gym. If you want to learn more about the organization, go to www.dbgdetroit.org. That's dbgdetroit.org. Thanks for listening today. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Rebo from Salesforce Studios. 